Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping and Keg Podcast episode. Episode five twenty one. Mitch on the other side of the Zoom. Charlie here with you. We're gonna give advice to the Packers on how to survive a sports hangover. Uh, we're also going to do our Packer Falcon deep dive. We're going to talk questions, headlines, hot takes, the whole thing. And then we will get into Bucks fans souring. Some Bucks fans are souring on Giannis. We'll dig into that. Um, could get a little, little heated there. And then lastly, we'll talk about our confidence in the three aces that the Brewers have. Maybe some Stearns Met stuff as well. Um, and yeah, it'll be a good show. Uh, I'm excited for it. Mitch, what's up? How you doing? Living the dream, you know. Just uh, football, you know, recovered from the weekend, first of all. Um, yeah. I think the extra extra day of rest, the Friday wedding, critical. Yep. Um, you know, always nice to have to have that situation. Um, but the, the Friday, I mean, it's, it's, I think there's a debate around Friday weddings. People, mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, then you have to take a day off. Right. Um, but how much are you asking people? to ask them to take a day off i mean they should be they should be jumping at the opportunity to take a friday off um but yeah then you get then you get the extra day of uh, of rest before you go back in and it's uh you know very very critical at this at this point in my life right it kind of feels like you know you had two weekends right um that you kind had of, yeah. like you had the thursday and friday my wife and i were driving home and said you know oh it felt like sunday on saturday and you're like, oh, it's not, it's not set. And I could have actually had like something I could have done Saturday night. And I was like, you know what? You know, as much as I would have loved to see the guys that those in the crew, I was like, yeah, I, I just need to, I need to R and R here. Uh, yeah. There's no way. Yeah. It was just not it, any other third, any other Saturday, I would have been down at Tosa Fest jamming out, but you know, it's just not, wasn't in the cards, unfortunately. Now we're, now we're back at it, man. And it's a good week one of football. Uh, before we get going, yeah. I want to—I do want to shout out our guy Scott, who sh- did what I've asked a lot of people to do: to share the uh, pod in the group chat, shared the Rogers episode that did really well for us. Uh, so shout out to him, uh, day one uh, listener, and so I, I appreciate that. Wanted to get that in before uh, before we got going. Nice. Uh, do I know this person? No, you don't. I went to school okay. with him. Uh, he was. I nice. was. Uh, was his boss at TV 10. Uh, he was one of the, uh, I had, a, I have a little bit of a coaching tree of uh, journalists. Um, some are still journalists. Some are not, but it's actually, it's a larger coaching, coaching tree than you'd think it is. Right. The, the big J family. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. No, is... And, and none of it's related to tapping the bag or snow tapping. It's all fucking. The big uh, J like... family, while it, it shrinks and it grows at the same time. I mean, it's, there's constantly new people getting in oh, yeah. or people like, you know, going from athlete to uh, blog boy to. Yeah. Yeah. Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's like just giving hot yeah. takes about the Lakers all the time. Like, you know, and Shannon Sharp has, you know, developed a lane. He can't stop calling people skip. Um, it's just it's too he's too used to it. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it you know, anyone could be a journalist at these, this point. Uh, oh, yeah. But hey. But anyways, what wanted to talk? Week one was great. I think it it exceeded our expectations. You know, I we talked so much about it heading into it, and I I think I was almost blown away in the second half of how mm-hmm. how well it went for the Green Bay Packers. And and I I think that 
a blowout was in the cards, but I would have probably, if I had a percentage out, I would probably said like 10% that they'd win mm-hmm. by 17 points. And even more when you take in consideration the last, the last uh, touchdown was sort of a garbage time touchdown. Like it was just incredible. And now, now comes the hard part because everyone was ready for week one and now it's the week to week. And now it's, how do you, how do you not necessarily think too much about week one and get ready for Atlanta week two? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I think that they've said kind of the right things uh, mm-hmm. after the game. I mean, Jordan Love is seems to be extremely even keel. Um, not that Rodgers isn't. You know, I think Jordan Love's probably learned quite a bit from Rodgers. You know, yeah. Rodgers tends to be not super up or down. I mean, that's how all athletes and coaches want you to think they are, you know, be where their feet are, control what they can control, all the cliches that they use. Um, don't use any stats no. unless it helps their narrative um, yeah. like the rest of us. So um, that's fine. But yeah, I mean, they, they've said the right things and yeah, it's, it was, it was a, you know, for a while, I'd say the first half I was like, I think I said it was going to be like 20 to 17. You said 24, 20, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, yeah, we're going to be pretty spot on. I, I really, you know, I thought the Packers would ultimately win, but it'd be, it'd be close. And, um, but yeah, it just, they beat the brakes off them in the second half made Justin Fields look pretty, you know, bad. And, yep. you know, but I, I am one of those people that does believe that the play calling and stuff is a factor and just, just the environment that poor guy's in. I mean, oh yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's evident that there are, you know, organizational issues with the bears, but, the Packers took advantage of it and you know, the bears, bears fans talked a lot of shit all summer. The players talked a lot of shit all summer and Quan Brister still talking shit. Uh, yeah. Who was the, who was the D tackle, uh, Justin Jones or Jason Jones or something like that. Didn't even register a fucking stat in that game after, right. After not, after talking shit, I think a couple different times. Yeah. Talking about how much he hates green Bay and, and all this and all this other stuff. And, yeah, it was yeah. it was pretty it was pretty bad. I mean, it was it was pretty, and, and the Bears seem to be really like shaken up over it. Like it seems like it has directly like affected you know what Chicago is doing. Chase Claypool might get an be inactive next week, which is crazy that that conversation is happening week number one, uh, or week number two. Excuse me. I I'm looking for Dan Widener's comment that I saw. Oh yeah. In my time, who works for the Chicago Tribune, he's a regular on the score. In my time of covering the NFL, I can't really remember a time on where Wednesday of week two, a building seems so apparently shaken and or short on answers of what happened week one. These next five days are a response time and should tell us about this group's pluck. Like, I mean, I didn't think the Packers would be snatching souls week one. Like, I I didn't, but apparently it did. And I, I think... I think part of it is oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just laughing. It's, uh, yeah. You're right. I mean, it, it's well, – uh, it, 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 having listened to the score leading up to the game and then <laughs> for like a day and a half afterwards, I mean, it uh, – it they are they are in shambles. All right. Yeah, and, and the fact that I think Matt LaFleur threw a lot at their defense and I think they didn't know what to expect. Like, and – while the Joe Barry had four months to prepare for Justin Fields, they really didn't have 
a book on what Matt LaFleur might do with his offense. And Jordan Love did not check out anything Uh, that was asked of LaFleur yesterday. And LaFleur's like, yeah, I screwed up one one thing, which might have been that end of that first half. He's like, other than that, like Jordan Love ran, Jordan ran everything that I told him to do. And so it's, you know, obviously gets the eyeball emojis going and everything else, but it's, I think there is probably going to be a learning period on the other side of what Matt LaFleur is going to do to these defenses. And there kind of is going to be this potential carve them up sort of period that they have, they kind of have on the table. Like that's, that's on there for the Packers early on. And, And that might be a reason to kind of get into our first topic about avoiding hangovers. It's like, that might be the way to avoid it is just the unfamiliarity that Atlanta has with this version of the Green Bay Packers might take Green Bay far enough that you're able to survive, even if it's a slog early on, because Atlanta just does not have the tape to know exactly what the Packers are throwing at. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a clean slate, you're right, for for the Packers. Even though Love's been around for a while, it's kind of a ideal situation. You know, as as it certainly as it turned out last week, we'll see what what the future holds. But yeah, I mean, you know, the Packers moved the ball, and um, you know, outside of a couple couple bad drives, I mean, you're going to have those yeah. regardless. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, Atlanta, you know, they do have some vets on D. Um, right, Jesse Bates had a huge game. Uh, against against Carolina and Calais Campbell's playing for the Falcons. I just found out. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't know how much experience he has against Green Bay, but and certainly Matt and Lafleur, Bates, I think. And yeah, Bates, you know, was in in Cincinnati, so it's not like he's right. playing. He did play the back. They played the Packers what two years ago? That crazy game in Cincinnati. But mm-hmm. there isn't a ton of familiarity. Maybe Jeff Okuda, who is you know in Detroit. But there isn't a ton of familiarity that these two teams have with each other. But he's Akuda was hurt and or yeah. sucked. I mean, right? Yeah, he's first been couple years. Right, right, so. exactly. So I, I, I think really when we talk about hangovers in sports, and they, they, it's a talked about topic, maybe a little more in college than it is in the pros. But let's be clear, the Packers are a young team, so you kind of have to treat them like an elevated college team in a sense of like, yeah, they can still do young guy shit. Uh, it, you know, before the game, after the game, during the game, whatever it may be. And it's really, I think it really comes down to just that start and just like not, you know, kind of going through the motions and being ready to play right away. And maybe the fact that there's going to be a lot of pack fans in that, in that stadium. And maybe that will help sort of drive some of the emotion and the energy and, People will, you know, that'll help sort of get it out. But I, I really feel like when you can see a team is sort of thinking about that last game, good or bad, it always is, starts with like, how do they look in that first quarter? How do they look on the first couple of drives? And that's, that's I think, really going to tell us a lot if this team is still thinking about last week where they're, they are on to Atlanta. Yeah. And they were, they were good on the opening drive on, on week one. Yep. I mean, it was, right. you know, it's LaFleur is no different than many other coaches. It's, it's, uh, clearly a script or, you know, maybe a couple deviations and stuff here and there, but it's, it's a plan and and they executed it. And there's a lot of Aaron Jones. I would say that would be one way to avoid the hangover is, you know, maybe go to that guy again. I I know I said last week, I think it was that um, he's not the most explosive guy, but I think I might've been wrong um, (laughs) on, on that after, after one game, you know, it's, you know, it, the, the Aaron Jones thing is weird because 
they, he carried the ball what five times on the opening drive and then only finished with nine carries. And, yeah. you know, we've, we've banged that drum. I feel like since day one with Aaron Jones, where they tend to go away from him and it's, it's weird. It seems like the offense does do a lot better with him. Now he's not a kind of guy who can get 30 carries. No. You know, nobody does that anymore, but he, he can't even get 20 probably. No, um, I don't think so. It's, you know, lean on that guy again, I think early and, and see what happens. You play out in front and you make um, Desmond Ritter try, try to beat you. Absolutely. And, you know, you're feeling, I think you're feeling pretty good in that when you're, when you're in that situation. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, yeah, if you can rely on your running game, you take kind of the ball control. Cause this, I mean, this whole game is going to come down to, you know, who's controlling the ball with the two, two teams, both, able to run the football, you know, obviously Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier and Carl Passon was inactive last week. Like those, that team can really run the football and also just eat up clock yeah. where you have to take advantage of your possessions. And also too, it's like, if they can get an early turnover, you know, and you know, you can say whether it's a fumble or Ritter gets picked off and they have a short field and can score quick, like getting up early on that team, they are not a team built for coming back. And so I think you can kind of, even if you are sluggish the rest of that first half, if you can just jump out to seven, nothing or even 10, nothing, that's going to be hard for Atlanta to just engineer a comeback kind of saw it with the Badgers. And I know like it's cross sport and it's college versus pro, but like, even though the Badgers have this new passing attack, they really struggled not being able to run the football and dictate the game because they were, they were coming from behind the entire football game. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of NFL in my opinion right now. Um, people say, I do hear a lot of, well, in the passing game, everybody wants to pass. And, you know, while that's true, I think it, it's more, you know, short passing game and stuff, but I think the name of the game is literally ball control. I mean, yeah. Look at the Niners and Steelers. That game yes. was over before it started because the Steelers were on defense the entire first half. And, yeah. and it just, it just, it totally spiraled out of control on them. And, yeah. you know, that could be something that happens in Atlanta this week. Um, or, so, or go back to the, uh, go back to the like second half of Tampa, Minnesota. Like, look at those, look at that play by play. Cause I did it because Murph, was at the Bears game was asking me like how did Minnesota lose that game and I I kind of didn't know because I had it on but I was kind of my attention was more on the Brewers and I I look back and it was just it was all ball control it was all like Tampa had these long a couple of long drives and that's really all they needed and I think that it's gonna be it's crucial in this game and it's crucial to kind of avoid you know coming in there and getting smacked I I again would be very surprised if Atlanta you know, lays the hammer down uh, on the Packers unless the run the run defense really isn't fixed and this is all mirage. And I guess we can kind of go into the questions here, but it's like there's a large question of like which defense is going to show up because in, in both teams. Like the, for the Packers, it's like they dominated a Bears team that they're very familiar with and it looked good. There were a bunch of stunts. They were doing some different things. Darnell Savage around the line of scrimmage. But is that real or is that just a figment of our imagination? And you could say the same thing about Atlanta, who everyone's like, oh, they schemed up so much stuff. They were doing so much different things <laughs> against Carolina. But Bryce Young didn't take one shot over the top. Bryce Young did not throw one goddamn deep ball. 
they were they were somehow playing more conservative than the Packers were in the first half for the entire game. So if, if we had the Ted Cruz playbook, they had the uh, Jim Jordan playbook. I don't know. There, I got to think of like a real conservative guy, but like they, I mean that maybe uh, Mitch McConnell. I don't know. Like they had a very conservative playbook. Oh, Mike Pence. There you go. That's that's I I got it. It took me a second to get there. The that's Mike the Pence, one. Yeah, that's it. The Mike Pence playbook. That's what they were using with Bryce Young. So it's like, what defense is actually real? Like, you know, is a which one's going to emerge? And I feel like that to kick us off with the questions, like that, that is a huge part of this. Yeah, that's that's gonna be the biggest one because you know, the the Packers played the Bears, worst team in the NFC last year. Yeah. Falcons played the Panthers, probably the worst team in the NFC this year. And it doesn't look like the Bears are going to be a whole lot, a whole lot better. Um, so both teams played very, very, uh, yes, conservative offenses and just and just coaching staffs that that don't trust their quarterback. I don't think it's super alarming for Bryce Young to be, uh, you know, very conservative in his first NFL start. Right. I don't think there's anything. But if you're the Bears, I think it's pretty concerning. Oh yeah, probably why their fan their fans are so so downtrodden is because they really wanted to see something and they saw nothing. And what what of what of that it was the Packers defense. Um and what of that was was just the Bears being being a disaster. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see, I suppose. I, I thought Lucas Van Ness had a nice uh nice set oh, yeah. yeah. Justin Fields. I, I mean I don't know how many snaps he played, but um you know I'm not a big all twenty two guy. Like I don't know if you are <laughs> that's but, okay. No, uh, I, I don't have I Mitch, I don't have time, buddy. I wish, like, I yeah, if I, I was doing this for right. a living and getting paid, I would probably rewatch the game and take some notes and that's figure why, out. I, that's I, why I, we are the the common man's podcast. Hell Charlie. yeah, absolutely. We are the guys that you're watching at whatever bar you want, and we're just giving you hot takes and giving you analysis. We're paying I, attention. We're thinking a little bit more, but we're not. We're not going to give you bottom of the barrel dude talk, but we're also not going to be like, well, his EPA was this and his fucking, right. you know, DVOA and, oh. his snap. I, I do look at DVOA for I better personal do. use, but you, his... you also look at OPS of against lefties. Oh, yeah. yeah, I do. <laughs> Those are for other investments. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like here's the thing. I think with Van Ness and, and other guys, like what the Packers do have, like if we just like, cut it down to like simplification really simple they are fucking fast they are a fast yep. defense and against the team who can run the football you just gotta tackle and that's not it's not gonna be fun to tackle B. John robinson and tyler algier all right like that's not gonna be good but you'd expect that guys like Devonte wyatt play walker are gonna want to show out for atlanta and georgia they're both georgia you know from georgia originally so that this is a home game well, for them We'll see about Quay Walker. He DNP oh, yeah, today, concussion. and yeah, that's he true. got he got his bell rung a couple times on that right. interception return. Yeah, I mean, thank thank God he got in the end zone, but he right. probably probably cost himself a game or two. Yeah, yeah, that and that would be a big loss. And and I, I think that's another question is like who's healthy? And you hate to have that discussion week two, but it's like this game well, is talked about a lot different. Like we didn't know Christian Watson want to play when you and I were talking on uh, Wednesday night last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dobbs ended up playing, which you know yep. he obviously was a huge, huge factor. But you know, and that's that's another thing is like what? Just imagine what the Packers' offense, you know, what Jordan Love in particular numbers are very good. It's been well documented. He 
you know, had the highest passer rating in week one and the three, three to zero TD to INT ratio is leading the league as well. In case you forgot and haven't even seen him with Christian Watson yet. So, um, but yeah, Quay Walker, I mean, obviously a playmaker, not having him in there um, would be not what you want. That's for sure. I think there's, and, and yeah, the injury report itself after, I mean, well, there are five guys on it last week. There's now there's six. It's kind of the same thing as last week. Um, plus, plus Quay Walker. Yeah. 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 Probably. Yeah. He's just never going to practice. Like he's just, he's done practicing, which is I mean, that's fine. And he went, yeah. he went, he went, he went down, I think was kind of it was early in the game. He like, I mean, he was laying there like on his, on his tummy. And I was like, God, is he, is he hurt? And like, it kind of, it might, it struck me as one of those where it's like, he probably thought he was hurt. And then like, I don't know, just kind of shook it off. I, I don't know. Just kind of like, think, yeah. Knowing what we know about him, it's like, it's, he's probably constantly thinking about that knee. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that, and it really, it comes down to Aaron Jones playing. Like, I think, you know, they've already shown what they can do without Christian Watson. And I think Atlanta's, Defense, while it looked good last week, I'm not, like, shaking in my boots. You know, A.J. Terrell is a, a very good corner, but you have Okuda as your right corner and D. Alford as your nickel. Like, those guys don't strike the fear of God in anybody, okay? So it's like, I think that that's, you know, part of it where it's like, these aren't necessarily the, you know, the Legion of Boom at any point. Um, but if Aaron Jones is down and then it's Door County Dillon and Patrick Taylor – like that's that's not great. That's I'm, that's I'm so real... like I'm so like I'm pretty down on AJ Dillon. I don't know. I, like yeah. it's it's just it you wish you want to see a little more. I don't know. He's just very like I think it's just his, his personality is not that of a of a football player, I guess. Yeah. I mean he's kind of just okay, I'm a big guy, I got huge thighs, and you know, I can stick my nose in there a little, but Seth pointed out in the group chat, like he doesn't seem to, he doesn't seem to deliver the blows, you know, I mean, right. he does occasionally, but for somebody who is, who is that big, you would like to see him fall forward a little more often. Right. Like, like look at even like Rojan Johnson from the bears, you know, yeah. the rookie from Texas, he was always falling forward, laying the hits. Like I looked at that guy. And yeah. Like, he, he damn near killed. Uh, was it Rudy for Rudy yeah. Ford? Yeah, I'm like, that guy's going to start for the Bears next week. Like, he's like, that's crazy that Texas is going to have two starting running backs out of their out of their season. Mm-hmm. I, I I will say that Andy Herman, who has a lot, who does his very impressive work on what he, he does and what he's built. He did do a little bit of a, a water carry, shall we say, for A.J. Dillon and said, look, like Dillon in September, 75 carries, 243, three yards per carry. October, it's 516, November 431, December 441, and then and then in January, 272, but only 66 carries because it's a limited sample size. So, like, he gets better as it gets colder. I understand that. But if that's the case, then that's even more reason to rely on Aaron Jones. That's even more reason to say, hey, maybe we get Patrick Taylor some, some snaps. And also, like, that's on A.J. Dillon for not coming in ready to go. Like, that to me is, is a guy who's just too busy hanging out in North County than working out and getting himself ready to go. Like, before we won the championship with the Bucks, and I say we because, you know, we had a part. Chris Middleton was 
that was a big thing with Chris Middleton, where we were like, Chris Middleton's not getting himself ready for the season. He always look out of shape. He always looked like it would take him two months to get get ready to go. And then and it he kind of smartened up. So maybe unfortunately, probably is going to happen with his next team where Dylan's like, I got to do a lot more in the summer to get myself ready to go in September. Yeah, but some of that could also be the way he's used and the, and the right. team's scheme and, you know, maybe maybe back off of him a little in in the early months. And then when it gets cold at Lambeau Field and in the winter after Thanksgiving, right. bust out the bust out the big tank. But yeah, it's I don't know. Yeah, it's um you, you'd like to see a little more from the guy. But right. Any other any other questions that you you have about this game before uh, I actually have one more, but I'll, I'll ask you if you have any any before I'll ask my last one. I just I think one for me is just what which which Jordan Love are you going to see? Yep. Um, you know, I, it's a very small sample size so far. Right. Is is it? You know, he was he was pretty impressive, no question. Um, you know, that fumble play was was amazing i mean that is where he fumbled the snap and yeah just that's it far, up and that's did far not, shit did that's not far shit, shit his pants and just found luke musgrave now threw a duck and luke musgrave i think got hurt of that play <laughs> um but um you know that was that was very impressive but again is it is he going to be able to build on a a week two or a, a good week one into week two and you know how much of that is is him you know being ready to rock and roll being three years into this thing and, and just being totally comfortable or how much of it was just the bears being a fucking total train wreck. We'll yeah. Have to, we'll have to find out. Yeah. And I think he, you know, what's nice for him is, you know, he gets the turf again. It's not, I wouldn't say Atlanta's a tough place to play. I mean, you're still going to have the dome and the loudness of it, but it, it'll be a fast turf and that, that should make things a little, little easier for, for what he's doing. And I actually, and we'll probably talk about it next week. I actually think there's a more pressure on him next week at Lambeau than there is this week because it's like, all right, you, it's just like last week where you're on the road, you're in your, your road routine, you're, you know, dealing with opposing fans, not maybe as many, but I, I think it's, you know, hopefully he'll be composed and ready to go and, and not necessarily kind of have a, a step back because, the NFL loves to do that where you have one good week mm-hmm. and then you, you shit your pants and then everyone hates you. Like I could totally see that with Tua this week where Tua was awesome. Everybody saw oh, yeah. Tua's deck and, and for good reason, like it was awesome, but he plays Bill Belichick this week on a su- on a Sunday night in new England. You're not, you're telling, and I think there's a potential hurricane kind of brewing in the Northeast. Like you're telling me that Bill Belichick's not going to be ready for Tua this week and Tyreek Hill and everybody else. Well, the Patriots shut down Jalen Hurts. Right. And, yeah. Their defense and, and is good. Simmons man. has been Simmons has been harping on how great their defense is, how they nailed the draft. And he, he certainly looked right after one week. Yeah. And so I yeah, I mean, there there is obviously a potential that I, I think there's more of a potential for Tua to take a step back than than love just based on the on the opponent, right? Um I, I don't I, I mean it still could happen. They both could suck. And then we're coming away on Monday and, you know, licking our wounds and saying, yeah, they, they fell across them to the hangover and they got a little tape on Jordan love and there's an adjustment, but I feel like we're, we're like three games from that happening. Right. It's just like anything else where 
once you have like four or five games, then you really can start getting into those tendencies and start figuring out stuff. And then you have to adjust just like you see all the time with young pitchers where they have a couple good starts and then they are absolute shit for a, a month because people who kind of know, all right, here's what this guy's trying to do. Um, I, I just think that hopefully love won't, that won't be just a complete 180. That would be truly disappointing if it was 180 for Jordan love. Yeah, that would be, that would be, yeah. I mean, it's early, you know, it's I know. Not, yeah. you know, it's just one game and I, you yeah, know, you again, take... we got to, we got to temper our, temper our expectations just a little bit. No, I, I agree. I agree. And I, yeah, and that's, and that's a very good point of, it gets it gets the silly season if uh, if this is like if they wipe out the Falcons and they win by ten plus and then they have two wins on the road by ten or more, everyone's gonna lose their goddamn mind and it will be a madhouse at Lambeau uh, come next week. Uh, the only sure. other question I had was, do we give any and is there any fear that the Falcons are wearing their throwbacks and does that does that make <laughs> you more nervous about this one? Are they the like the black throwbacks? Yeah, I'll say they're the red helmets with the black jerseys, I believe. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so like the like the Deion Sanders, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. Uh red I'll helmet. Send, I'll send the, it in the I'll send it in the Zoom chat. Um, nice. yeah. No, yeah. I mean I don't I don't take a whole lot of stock in that stuff. Yeah, but, I know you don't. Um nor do I really like those uniforms. Ooh, so that's wow, that's spicy. That's I feel like that's like a really well liked uniform. Let me let me take a look at this bad boy here. Jersey grade on the uh, on the Ooh. spot here. Yeah, I don't know. The red helmets are kind of weird. Okay, all right. We'll see. We'll see how it plays on TV. Doesn't sound doesn't sound like we're getting Burkhardt and Olson. Maybe a little Joe Davis, Moose Johnson uh, appearance Jeez, there for the Packers and Falcons. Isn't that like their number two broadcast team? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh-huh. Let's see. I don't know if they have broadcast out yet, but let, let's look at the NFL the schedule. They don't they don't have the late game. The late game is uh Jets Jets Cowboys. So uh in terms of offensive offensive things or like an offensive headline, the Brewers were to win or Brewers, Packers were to win this game. I, I think it really is Jordan Love just continues to progress. I think there are some deep balls. I, I also could see it being this like fastest show on turf sort of thing and just that they just outrun outrun Atlanta and they're able to look faster than Atlanta. And that's kind of why they win that go for both sides of the point, but that's kind of what I see offensively. If, if they do win this game. Yeah. It's going to come down to Jordan love again. And can they, I mean, they, they blocked very well for him as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think he had a, he had a single grass stain in his Jersey yep. in Chicago. And, you know, let's, let's not forget the offensive lineman. No, um, yeah, you know, and Atlanta's keep, keep, keep him upright, and I think he'll be just fine. Atlanta's pass rush is complete trash. I mean, they have one of the worst pressure. They had the worst pressure rate in the league last year, and it didn't really look like it improved against Carolina. And so, and and so, yeah, I think if you know Jordan Love has time and he's comfortable in the pocket back there, and he seemed like he was all throughout that game last last week, I think that you'll you know you'll see that again. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely the offensive highlight and the defensive headlines obvious it's slowing down. It's just, you've slowed down their rushing attack. You did not right. let that two headed monster get going and you're, or if you do, 
you're able to force some turnovers off a of Ritter. And, and that was what, what led you to it. And cause yeah, there's going to be one or two big Bijan runs or, or Algier runs, but like, let's not have like an Adrian Peterson day against, against the Packers. Like that's, that's what we don't need. Yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever team can run the ball is going to, going to come out victorious, I, I would think. Um, but that, does contradict a little bit of of saying Jordan Love is very important, but I mean, no, I mean um, it's all it's all important, man. Right. So, yeah, if you if you can stop that two hundred monster, you know those guys, Algier. I don't think Bijan got in the end zone in week one. I uh, um, he did he did through passing. They it was like a, uh, a, a right. screen it was like screen pass, and he just bounced off of like six guys. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, and then Algier had two on the ground. So mm-hmm. clearly the. Um, focal point of the offense as a Drake London fantasy owner in two leagues. Um, I know, I know very well. Yeah. I, mean, I know <laughs> that might be a, there might be a pivot coming. We'll have to see at least in yeah. the starting lineup. We'll have to see what uh, what happens against the Packers, but uh, yeah, not pretty. No, not good. Not, not good at all. And that I had, and, I had three guys who had goose eggs. I was yeah, you know, I had a, I had a funny week. Well, I, hilariously, yeah. three of them are on my team. No, uh, no one wants to hear about your fucking fantasy teams, but I was uh-huh. one and four. I was one and four, and uh, I I traded Amra St. Brown for Aaron Rodgers in a dynasty league because I desperately needed a quarterback, and I was way too desperate, way too thirsty. I wow. was, you know, I was like the uh, brutal. I was like the guy just simping for a girl, and I uh, I fucked up there badly. Yeah, and, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, that that one that's one of my worst I've had in a long time. Uh anyways, I I think just to wrap up the 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 Packer stuff, I think hot takes. I think every like we said, everyone's going to go crazy if love if loves it basically is going to go either way again. If loves the guy and they are or love loves awesome and he looks like a dude, everyone's going to lose their shit and they're going to be like, "Oh, did the Packers do it again." They do it again. And the hype will grow. And if it doesn't, uh if, or, and if they struggle, then they'll, yeah, they'll be like, okay, this, it was just playing the bears. It was, it had nothing to do with, with Jordan love being actually good. Yeah. Right. And it, it's, you know, if he goes nuts, it'll be, mm. it'll be just, you know, we're going to super bowl, get your tickets for, right. don't tell me Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this year. And it's going to be, I mean, people, people were excited after the bears game but I think there was still a little bit of trepidation and yeah. I don't know uh, Yeah, I've, I've, as it, if it continues, it ain't going to take long. No, everyone will be all in. And, and the fact too, that you might be staring down if the, the lions are going to beat the Seahawks this week, you could, and they had, they have also had the Falcons in week three at home. You could be looking at a three and lions versus three and Packers game on Thursday night, which would add a, a whole hell of a lot of juice as the kickoff to right. a crazy, potentially crazy weekend with Brewers and Cubs also being, being on the, uh, on, on that docket. And got to give Lions credit. I mean, I, I did oh, yeah. not really see that coming and, nope. you know, but again, it's week one and oh, yeah. dumb stuff happens. You know, I think the Packers victory is, is pretty valid, but yeah. Um, yeah. You know, week I, one, the thing with week one is that teams are as healthy as they're going to be all year. And and nobody knows they suck yet. Nobody knows they're good yet. It's just kind of a total coin flip. 
and you know, I don't know. The lines look really good. So uh, maybe, yeah. maybe some of the shit I talked, I, I will have to eat crow on that as well. Yeah, no, I, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, I talk shit too on the lions and yeah, we'll just sort of see, see where it goes. I think Seattle's going to give them a fight. Like I think five's way too many points for that game. I think that's an overreaction. It's how bad Seattle looked. And I think it was odd that all these teams that were kind of smoking mirrors, maybe last year, Seattle, Minnesota, New York, uh, Giants, that is not Jets, all yep. all got their asses kicked. Oh, Minnesota didn't get their asses kicked, but they lost at home. And to a Tampa team that I think only me and a few other people were kind of kind of a little high on because I just thought, I don't know, Tampa's defense it has all the guys that were at that Super Bowl, and they have a really good sack. Their, their secondary is probably the best in football. And they're healthy, as you mentioned. And Baker Mayfield, while not great, it's like he is – when has Baker had – uh, receivers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah, I mean Baker's not not ever going to be scared either. No, so no, I think they're I think they're going to smash the Bears on uh, on set on Sunday. That might be an overreaction, and that's okay. Um, but we'll see. Uh, prediction: Do you uh, do you have the Packers? Do you have the Packers winning Week Two? I do. Why not? Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the the Falcons don't scare me any more than the Bears. I think it's, you know, again, quarterback play is not going to be a strong suit for Atlanta. It'll be, you know, pretty pretty conservative, I think. And um, I don't know. I think I'd go Packers 27, Falcons 20. You know what's funny is that my pick was going to be 27-17. So, like, Price is right style. I'm going to go 28. Uh Pack or no, using price right? Do you do less? I don't remember. You or you're maybe you, more well versed in price right than I. Without without going over is the yeah is the yeah and, uh, yeah. The price is right, so so I, I have, to have, go, have to go. I have to go, go under. under you. Well, I'm gonna defy that. I'm gonna go twenty. I'm gonna say uh, twenty eight seventeen. I think Packers win pretty handily, and I think everybody loses their mind. And I think it'll we'll have to just be be SpongeBob in the. Uh, in, in the crab in whatever what's the crab shack or no it's the uh i know it's a crab and patty i forget where spongebob works that's terrible but anyways yeah, it's the know. meme it's the meme where he's blowing out the fire that'll be me just trying to calm everybody down oh, yeah. and and not trying to convince my wife that we need to go to vegas before we go to portugal uh to go to super bowl and then we'll just fly out to portugal the week later it'll be fine just take another week off yeah, fuck it. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, all right. We'll meet Murph and I'll do media day and you too. And we'll just we'll get there and we'll just we'll steal interviews from Billy Mike. And that's really gonna be our sole goal of media media day is just stealing Billy Mike interviews. Get on get on Radio Row and Yeah. Exactly. Act like, act like you belong. Exactly. Exactly. And try to get Mad Dog on. I think that would be the other goal, is trying to get Mad Dog on. There you go. Yeah. So that's uh, sounds like a full foolproof plan. All right, let's move on to maybe not as fun of a topic. Uh, yeah, the Kubo has been in the news a lot. I was actually, you know, I always think about the show and I, I was like, okay, we're going to do like a Bucks roundup because Adrian Griffin had some stuff. And at some point we could talk about that. His comments to Jim Ostrowski of the journal. And, uh, and then all this Giannis stuff picked up because he did his first podcast. And he said a lot of similar stuff that we've heard all summer about wanting to win and everybody's blowing it 
way the fuck out of proportion. And now we're at a point where Bucks fans are kind of starting to get sick of it. And I don't really fucking get it. And I don't really understand it, Mitch. And I, I, you know, I think maybe you're a little more in the Bucks Twitter weeds than I am. But like, help me, help me understand like why people are starting to sour on the best player that's ever played for their basketball team. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for other people really. It's hard to, to do that, but um, I guess I don't necessarily agree with that. But for for my perspective, I I don't. I'm not souring on him. I guess no, is I, what what I, I'm saying. Yeah. No, I know. But I I guess the argument would be, you know, he's he's talking a lot this summer all of a sudden, and um, he's saying things. You know, obviously the latest one I think really has pissed people off a little bit, which incidentally, you know, he did a podcast with some guy with 300 followers on on Twitter. I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. How <laughs> that shook out. Yeah. Um, and here he's fucking pouring his heart out about about how, uh, you know, he's a winner and, you know, again saying whether that's in Milwaukee or not. And that's, you know, second time I feel like in the last couple of weeks that that has has been said and everybody's got a microphone and um you know how nice it would have been to have been a sports fan 30 years ago right um and not have to worry about this type of shit but you know i think people are frustrated because you know he got hurt in the playoffs last year and then when he came back he wasn't great and you know how much of that was the injury and and just sort of coming back from that we will find out but you know it wasn't like he there have been a lot of moments in the playoffs where he's either missed free throws or, you know, not made the right plays, not trusted his teammates, tried to do too much. And then, you know, him saying he's a winner, you know, I, he hasn't, he didn't really call anybody out specifically, you know, he is keeping it in pretty general terms, which I think is, is good. You know, I'm not, I'm not upset that that, um, that he's talking that he's a winner, you know, mm. but I think that's where it comes from is people are, yes, getting, getting maybe a little, you know, tired of, I don't know if it's tired, but you know, the guys, the guys is too, like too genuine, I think. And mm -hmm. um, it's, he's not able to maybe, maybe do a little more, a little more PR work. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, and he's just saying things. And I think that's the last taste of, of Bucks basketball was, him missing free throws and blowing lead, blowing multiple leads in back-to-back -back games. And, you know, not just him, but the team. And, you know, he's a big part of it, though. So, and then the one year he did, he didn't ever screw up, and he played amazing um, pretty much the whole run. They won the championship. So, right. um, it, it comes down to him, a lot of it. And if he's going to well, talk like that, it's he's got to back it up. I, I, yeah, and and I guess the first part of it is like, do the Bucks fans know his like back was like fucking broken? <laughs> do they? Does that like part register that there are probably ninety percent of the? And I'm I know that you're just explaining, and I know that I'm I'm pontificating again. Well, don't the, play. I, okay, but like, so if you don't play, he's just like all the other all the other NBA superstars who don't play. The guy puts his heart on his sleeve. I agree that he needs to be a little less transparent that he's too popular 
to just pour his heart out at every waking moment because what was interpreted three or four years ago, media has evolved. Everybody's looking for a clip to go viral. Everybody's looking to basically leverage work that you do for other people to take it, right? So I, I Especially agree. now. I mean, NBA right. topics are, there's nothing. Yeah, so exactly. Everybody's got a fucking podcast and it's, right. it's just, it's amazing how many of these guys are out there. Unless you're like James Harden or somebody who's, you know, kind of hiding right now. Right. And like everybody is on Giannis watch without you sort of realizing like, okay, there are new coaches. They've gotten younger. They, they remedied that. The East is a clusterfuck. We talked about that earlier this summer about like, hey, look, this Eastern Conference is not very good. Like Boston has a ton of issues. Philly is a complete mess. They did upgrade coaching wise. Uh, Cleveland still feels like a year away from being worrisome. And their coach sucks. He's no good. Like they should have hired Boonholzer. We talked about that. We're like hired by Boonholzer. That team instantly becomes a little bit better. And they didn't. And I also wonder, and I, I brought this up after Bud got fired. Are, are we sure that there wasn't like a, hey, don't talk to the media sort of Belichickian thing? Because isn't it kind of convenient that all these guys are coming out and talking now? Like, yeah, you, you know, true. Middleton's on JJ Reddick's pod. I think that comes out today. Like, and and so it did. was there like an unspoken thing that who knows or had and said, hey, I really don't want you guys like, talking too much to the media or, or is it just like their agents are like, you got to be on these podcasts because everybody else is. And to clean up uh, Ross Geiger is his name. He hosts the 48 minute podcast and he's a former buck staffer. So that's why uh, ah. and he's a friend of yours. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. I, that name sounds familiar actually now that I think about it. Yeah. So that's why, that's why he appeared on the show. Um, and that's why they were able to get him. Uh, and I think, yes, it's, it is a low time. I think, I think Bucks fans, and I have said this before about Bucks fans, they need to find a fucking hobby. They need to do something else. Like there are a lot of Bucks fans who I don't think are Brewer or Brewer fans or that aren't really diehard Packer fans. Like, and this is a good time to be diving into Packer football because it's a different era of Packer football. Like this is all these guys are going to be here for a while. Like this is a good time to get in kind of on the ground floor of packed football and brewers. Yeah. They, they have their own issues and we'll talk about the brewers here in a second, but it's like, I, I just wonder like, is, is, does everyone just kind of need to touch grass a little bit and realize what they have and, and also stop being such a fucking little brother. Like this is classic, like Milwaukee, like us against the world type shit. And I know I do it. I play into it, but it's like, sometimes like, you got to have some thick skin and realize that these guys give a shit and want to win and, and want to put their best forward, but also want to control the narrative and like, don't turn this guy into Aaron Rodgers. And that to me, that's another topic for another time. And I want to have that topic. Um, but I, I do worry. Shafty mentioned it on Twitter that they're turning, that some of these fans are turning them into Aaron Rodgers. And I, I kind of think like we're trending that way. And I, I fucking hate that. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> do, you, do you agree with it or do you disagree? I I mean, I don't know. Rodgers is gone now. I mean, I think he would have a long way to go. Um, but, you know, as the years tick by, they don't win a championship. I mean, people are going to get more restless. And then right. 
you know, he starts saying divisive stuff. Um, five years down the road, you know, who knows? Um, yeah, oh, I, I don't foresee I, that, but I mean, what? No, you're saying device. I was about to jump on you in the device, but you're mean like what Rogers was saying, like with the COVID stuff and like yeah, everything right. Else. Yeah. Like I think that that certainly yeah rub people the wrong way totally. whether or not you agree with this you know no yeah he, he alienated you know. he alienated part of the fan base and there well, i will who... say that in 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 five years from now you know i think that athletes and their political stances are going to be a little more like commonplace I, I think is what i'm what i'm what i'm what i'm getting at that there's going to be people are just going to know what you think as opposed to like sports the last 30 years before, you know, 2020, yeah. probably, you know, nobody cared, nobody, whatever, but now it's, it kind of, it's just, it's just going to be, I think kind of part of it. Um, and people are going to probably, probably going to get, probably going to deal with it. I think better in the coming years in terms of like, well, we, we, I mean, that's, just, are you going to cancel every single person? That's a know. larger philosophical discussion about that. We, we as a society just pull our skeletons out for everybody to bear, right? Like, we film all this bullshit and people want to like go viral on TikTok. And look, I, I, I on TikTok, I, I do a lot of TikTok, Kevin Keg on Twitter, on Kevin Keg Sports on TikTok, but I'm also not filming all my day to day. Like, I don't really do day in the life type shit and I don't, I don't really like give you guys updates on Instagram about all the stuff and why I'm just sitting on my couch watching football or, you know, my wife made me do something and I, I didn't like, like, that's just so weird, but everybody kind of has that mean character syndrome. It's, it's alive. And I'm not saying I, I'm not, I don't have some of it. I just don't have all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's another, another discussion for another time. Totally. And I, I just, I think to, to wrap it up on Giannis, I, I just hope that, he realized like he, that someone talks to him. Maybe it's Griffin. Maybe it's horse. And just is like, Hey man, we agree with you. We are aligned. We have the same vision. I, we know this is what you want, but everybody's going to twist and turn it. And you need to, you need to just rein it in a little bit. And you just need to like, not tell everybody everything because they're going to use it against you. They're going to weaponize it. And that's really what's happening. Everybody, you know, Giannis is is kind of fresh meat and they see it. And I think LeBron, to his credit, he, when he says stuff like this, it's purposeful. And so everybody uses the lens of LeBron. And that's not the way to do it because everybody's different and everybody approaches this in a in a different manner. Mm -hmm. That's what media and, says about every athlete, that everything they they right. know what they're saying. Yeah. They, Aaron Rodgers, everything he says after a game is for a reason or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that could be, but I don't know. Giannis is different. There's no question. Yeah. And I, I think the last thought is like, look, guys, he's working out in Milwaukee a, a month ahead of training camp. He's volunteering here in Milwaukee. He's engaged now to Mariah. Like things are kind of moving in the right direction versus the wrong direction. He was working out in LA or working out in New York and still doing this media tour and doing podcasts with Woj and going to NBA today and maybe getting involved with something NFL related. Then, yeah, that would kind of be worrisome a little bit. Right. But he's back at work and ready, ready to try to deliver the bucks on our championship. Yeah. I, I don't think it's necessarily the, Oh, he's going to leave now that pisses people off at, at, 
with this one, I think it's more, like I said, like, you know, he's talking about, I'm a Milwaukee buck, but first and foremost, I'm a winner, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta be good then because it starts and ends with you, my man. Yeah. And I, I think then that to wrap it up, that's the last thing that Horst and Griffin need to tell him, like, not only are they going to weaponize against it, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself and just like, know that like you're putting an expectation that it's, it, it that's really hard to achieve. And we talk about it all the time. It's very hard to win championships and he's putting a lot, a lot of pressure on himself. So hopefully, hopefully it goes, goes the way it planned. I hope it does obviously selfishly as a, as a Bucks fan. Well, let's wrap up, you know, with the Milwaukee Brewers who just lost literally as we were, as we were headed to the Brewers, they unfortunately could not take advantage of the Cubs losing two out of three of the Rockies. Uh, still four up uh, in the Central, which is great, um, heading into pretty much the weekend. And really the story for the last week has been the Brewer pitching. Corbin Burns, near, uh, a no-hitter through 10 innings, or he pitched eight of them. And then you had Brandon Woodruff for the complete game shutout. Trey Peralta uh, pitched six-plus innings, nine strikeouts, 200 strikeouts over. And all three of them are just absolutely playing kind of at their peak. So what I was wondering is like, who do you feel the best about come playoff time? If you had, like had to rank it and you're like, all right. And the Brewers hypothetically could play three games in that first round uh, where they'll play the worst team in the NL barring that they win the division. You know, who is, how are you stacking it up between Woodruff Peralta and Corbin Burns? I think for me, number one is Brandon Woodruff, honestly. Um, I think that's a very popular take as well on, on Brewers Twitter mm-hmm. right now, but it's hard to not agree because he's obviously been great his last couple – really since he come, came back from, what is he, yeah. like four or five starts now? Yep, under well. under two ERA for the entire season. I mean, it's been pretty pretty dynamic for, for Woodruff right. all year. So he's been very – you know, in, in the limited time he's had this year on the mound, it's been it's been just as good as it's always been, if not better. So, but besides that, like, dude's just a dog. Um, you know, they call him the Bulldog, Mississippi State guy. That's one of several nicknames for, for Woodruff. But um, I think it, if you're giving him the ball game game one, I think I feel the best about, about him and – just like his like mindset and you know, he's not going to, he's not going to, I would feel I'd be stunned if he gave up several runs in a first inning situation in a, in a playoff game, which can be a nightmare. And um, so yeah, Woodruff I'd say is one burns two. um, you know, been a little up and down this year when he's been on, he's been fabulous. He's had, you know, like with a lot of pitchers, one bad inning type of deal or, mm. you know, a couple through on homers in a game, stuff like that. Just a couple mistakes here and there that really cost him in some of these poor starts. But when he's been when he's been on, he's been nails. And, you know, I I think he's probably the most he's I think he well. I say he's probably probably the most talented pitcher out of the three. I mean, just pure stuff. But Freddie's been looking pretty good lately too. Freddie, um, yeah, Freddie's just starting. Like everything that I worried about, like Freddie, I'm starting to kind of not worry about anymore. Like I, 
we had a lot of concerns about Freddie in the first half of this year because it was like this guy's giving up home runs left and right. He can't pitch on the road. Um, and he's like, he basically was like, Oh, I need to focus. And I was kind of like, Well, no shit, dude. Of course you need to focus. And it's like, I guess you really did need to focus. And he needed to just like just start pitching and start not not necessarily worried about anything else but pitching. And it and you see the stuff that we we would see in increments and then he'd kind of fall down the hill and be like, Oh, he gave up six runs. And it's like, Oh, he's good again. And it's like, no, then he's gonna give up five runs. It's like that's not happening anymore. It's like one mistake and then you're kind of done. So he blew up against the Braves, but who doesn't? Right. That was that was back in that was July twenty first. Yeah, and I was gonna say it felt it felt like since that Rockies start, which was now like six starts ago. Yep. Um, he's been he's been awesome. I wish I had the number since then. Worst start was at in Pittsburgh on uh, Labor Day weekend. Or right. Wait, right after yeah, Labor Day Wednesday. Weekend, yeah, Wednesday. Where he had he gave up three earned runs. Um, you know, allowed homers in his last four starts. But um, you know, it hasn't. I don't. It hasn't been anything. That's but really both. But both. But like. Solo. But like, what's the weird? The weird thing about it is that in that Philadelphia and the Miami game, you give up the leadoff home run, and then after that, it's like, no, nope, you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he only allowed two hits in both those games, and one of those is the home run. The rest was strikeouts. And also, like, th- look at this from like the fly ball stuff to ground balls. Like he's getting a lot more ground balls. He's striking out a ton of batters right now. And like he it's just been it's been dominant and be very interesting to see. I I might go Freddie ahead of Corbin Burns right now. I I just the way I agree with you on Woodruff. I also wanted to add a Woodruff stat here that his ERA in September and October is two ninety two. Uh, and he has he's 183 strikeouts in September, October, which is the most in any month that he has from a splits perspective in his career. So, yeah, uh, yeah dude, dude dials it the fuck up. And, yeah, I think you want to set the tone with Brandon Woodruff week, game one. And I don't know how Burns would react to that. Um, but you also have to just understand how good Brandon's pitching and, and, and know that, like, you don't necessarily – and yeah, I think Burns would probably end up being game two, but I'm at the point now with the way Freddie's pitching. If the Brewers go down one zero, and that's a that's you're out if you lose two. Like, do you really want to miss the shot of having Peralta out there with how good he's been? I don't know. I would be shocked if they went with Peralta over, no. frankly, either one of those guys. They they won't, but it's it's just it's just the way he's pitching, like. I'd hate to lose 2-0 to some slapstick team like the Diamondbacks and then wonder if Freddie would have pitched game two, would they have won that? Yeah. I mean, you're going to have that problem, I suppose. Regardless. Oh, yeah. No matter. I mean, you're right. You're absolutely right. No matter which combination you go, you're going to be like, we're going to just second guess that one. Because yeah, yeah, it's, 100%. it's just those. It literally is. It, you know, and it really, frankly, hadn't, well, especially with Woodruff being hurt all the season basically for he missed what yeah. two months or three months more than that yeah, more, and, three months. and you know it, it's you know in three aces and kind of wasn't looking like i mean burns <laughs> burns was you know I've, even more up and down in the first half but yeah they're they're really starting to round into form here which has incidentally um you know the team has as well behind him and you know the offense has been pretty good since the all-star break which is I mean, shocking to say, yeah. and it's, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, 
it is now they're not going to end up with the same record as like the 2011 team, but it kind of is feeling like that. I mean, it's, it's been, I, I don't know. They're not, they're not nearly as good as that team talent wise, but it's, it's kind of feeling like we were talking about, you know, I don't know a while back about how, like just how hot the Brewers got that year. And it, it's kind of starting to feel like that. I know they lost right game three to Miami, but they'll bounce back today and um, take three out of four. And I don't think they're, I don't think they're looking back. I mean, they're going to, they're probably, they're probably going to win like 92 games, which, yeah. you know, somewhere in there, I think they're, they're what, 81 and 70. No. Yeah. Yeah. They're 81 and set They're No, they're like 17 games over 500. Like yeah. they're, they're really like solid. And it's too bad. The Dodgers got so hot, you know, in, in August, because I think they would have had a chance at that buy had the Dodgers not just caught fire. And, and that's, that's a bit, that's a shame. Right. Um, and they'll, they'll have to play that first playoff game, but no one's really grasping it by the balls for that last playoff spot. And, 81 and 64. Yeah. No, and, and the Cubs are now, they've lost five out of the last seven. The Rockies, the Rockies beat them two out of three. And, you know, it was bound that there was going to be some cover aggression at some point. You know, it seemed not sustainable. They were winning that many baseball games. And they kind of got the Bears stink on them. Like the Bears put their stink on them a little bit. And well, and they, and they go to Arizona, who just right. beat them in a series yeah. at Wrigley last weekend. Right. And and you lost Candelario, who went on the IL, and Alize went on the IL. So you've now lost two pretty prominent guys yeah, that's, out of that's your been, team. He's, he's, he's been their closer, I think, right. most yep. of the year. Alizale, so, yeah. so, yeah, the door is certainly open for that last series not to matter. Or and just not have that that much importance, um, and that's that's there for the taking. Um, and yeah, I, I agree with you on the bounce back. Like they've been, they haven't lost three straight games since that Dodger series. And I was talking about that on Monday. I was I was a little nervous about the series because I was like, okay, you know, Chicago's going to Colorado. Colorado's been terrible, um, and they might get they might sweep them. And like you're gonna have to keep pace. And turns out they didn't have to. First of all. And then second of all, uh, they won. They've won two out of three now against Miami. And even if you do lose lose today, like a split against a Marlins team that's fighting for a playoff spot is it's not the worst thing in the world, right? Now, if you lose two out of three of the Nationals, I'm gonna be pissed off. And now you get into the e- the supposedly easy part of your schedule. We're gonna have to deal with fucking Adam Wainwright's last start and going for 200 wins in Bush Stadium. That I that's so unfair. Like that, that should not be a lie. <laughs> Cardinals have been so fucking bad, though. They took I mean, two out of three from the Orioles. Yeah. It's incredible. I mean, it just shows you how dumb baseball is tonight. I mean, the Athletics went two out of three from the Astros this week. Like, it's just kind of, it, it's a pseudo dog days, right? Because it's like, you know, the teams who are kind of in the playoffs just want to get there. And the teams that are out just want to go to Cancun, but they're also playing loose because they're like, ah, eh, fuck it. Like, we're just playing ball at this point. So the and... Cardinals, the Cardinals have beaten, they beat the Braves in that series. Then they won this, they've won like yeah. the last three series. Yeah, they're playing okay. They're, I need like the load management. Like, I need the like send Goldschmidt and Arenado and everybody else to like Tulum and just call it. I think they won't do it. You know, this, this is their last homestand this weekend. 
So I think they'll wait till after the homestand's over, and then they'll be like, all right, yeah, we're gonna sit there, sit our guys for the rest of the uh, the rest of the season. That's at least what I hope. Hmm. But oh, yeah, there know. there's a the Wainwright thing. Like I, I feel bad for him, how bad he's been this season. But I also the sinister in me, the asshole in me. Like that could be an all time review if we're going if he's going for two hundred and and we beat him, like that. That could be. I could get a lot of Cardinals fans upset at me that night, which <laughs> I love. Like Cubs fans got mad at me because I called it a Mickey Mouse win when they won one nothing because of the win. <laughs> Sorry, like that's, that's what happened. What do you want from me? Can't fight the facts. No, I, I exactly. That's it's exactly true. Uh so the Stearns thing, like I, I just I want the Mets to get charge for tampering they won't do it because it's a fucking big city team but this is so lame like i'm so mad at, i'm weirdly mad about it like not mad at david stern's good for him go go ahead go go uh be the hometown go, hero go go, go do money, it little little duffel bag boy go, go go do it right but like what i'm mad about is they hired billy epler who was one of stern's boys stern's clearly wanted to go to the mets in 2022 and he was half in half out he wasn't fully in the involved with the Brewers. And because he was kind of like just sort of nonchalant about things, he mishandled the hater thing. And that like, yeah, we need a th- 30 for 30 on that. Oh God. Like if Kurt Hogg or McAlvey's not writing a book on the 2022 Brewers, they're doing it wrong. Robert Murray, like we do need like a, a book on that 2022 Brewers team because it just, the whole thing fell out and it was, there feels like there's so much more to that story. And I don't know if we'll know it officially to see what council does. I, I will tell you right now, there's no fucking way Craig council is going to the Mets. I would be absolutely floored if council is the Mets manager next year. That's like, a, I'd have to like, I'd have to like have legit therapy sessions with my father. If that happened, like, I think we'd have to like, play golf. I have to go play golf a bunch. I have to just walk him through it, um, the whole thing. But like, so if- I I don't even entertain the fact that he retire honestly. But like like you do, but yep. um, I'd give that a better chance than him going to New- ending up in New York. I don't yeah, see I, him. I, I, I don't see him going to the Big Apple. No, it's not his. Unless I don't know. Unless unless he decided he really hates Mark Adonacio and. Him and Stearns have we're having secret meetings about, you know, how do we back fuck at him? Yeah. yeah, like you know, or oh, let's let's go to now. Okay, if you get me in, a, in, if you got me in a in a in a back room somewhere and had a conversation about, would you rather manage a team with a three hundred million dollar payroll or a hundred and twenty or whatever the Brewers are? It's probably more than that, but um, you know, I might be tempted, but at, at the same time, like I, he's the guy's a lifer. And, you know, yeah. if there ever was one in baseball, and I think that's that's why we like him so much and are part of the reason, you know, outside of the fact that pretty fucking good manager at the yeah. end of the day. I right. mean, I just I'd be I'd be shocked unless I don't know. Steve Cohen is is not not a poor man. No. And, you know, I don't know. Of course, there's a world, but it's I just yeah, I'd be stunned myself. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's also like council isn't like this like gambler where he's just like spending all his money like he's a whitefish bay dad has a nice place and white you know what i mean like it's it's not like 
the guy is strapped for cash. And right. unless he just looks at it, it's like, all right, we can do this for a couple of years. I can see the, see the kids play baseball when I can. And then my wife and I can just cash out and be done. I think the one thing with the $300 million paycheck is you're, you're dealing with a lot of personalities and a lot yeah. of them. And I do think the very interesting thing is the, how they, how Stearns handles the Pete Alonzo stuff because a lot, do you know, Alonzo has 44 home runs this year. <laughs> I guess I didn't realize he had that many, but me either. I, mean, I saw it on the, uh... I saw him on the bottom line and like, I am like, apparently like the story goes is that the ownership group loves Lindor and they don't really like, then they don't have the same relationship with Alonzo and that's created some friction and that there was a, you know, obviously the Rosenthal rumor. And I, I think that was purposeful. I think that was the Brewers sort of getting back at the Mets for all the stern stuff. They're like, all right, here's how we're going to fuck you. Watch we're going to just <laughs> Danny Ainge leak this and like, oh, we had a chance. And, and, you know, the Eric's of the world are going to be like, oh, they said that Danny Ainge, like they always <laughs> get close. Like only like six people are going to understand that comment, but that's okay. Um, it, it's like, well, Brian Gutekunst is the same way. He's, he's uh, the age of football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we all, what Wisconsin's built on, Danny, the fact that Danny Age didn't take over the Bucks at one point, given kind of the mentality here, Danny Age would probably love it. He'd listen to it. He'd be like, oh, you guys are in on deals, but you don't actually deal, do them? No way. We're, Me we're too. Built on, we're built on beer, cheese, and being in the mix on, on getting star players. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. Beer, cheese, and in the mix. <laughs> love it yeah. but yeah I, I don't even understand how Stearns so are we did he ever technically leave the organization for the Brewers or like is there is there just, some sort of compensation coming he, for this or no he took he stepped away oh, I know and that then, and then he, how stepped, he went, stepped down and then so he basically was like I quit and then the Brewers I believe had a non-compete with David Stearns for this year and so the non-compete runs out, I don't know. So I think it's in September, actually. So right around when they announced it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we, we're bringing on David Stearns. And it's the worst. it was the worst kept secret in baseball. Interesting. Because yeah, we all, I guess. And, and we all knew it was happening. And I think to throw baseball off the scent. So they're like, oh, I don't want to get in trouble for tampering. They're like, oh, he has some interest with the Astros. And the Astros are probably like, what the fuck? Like, no, we didn't. We didn't say that. But they needed to throw throw another team in there, so it didn't look like, oh yeah, wink wink. No, I'm talking to the Astros too. Don't mind me. Like I don't know. I if they want to give us Pete Alonso for it, I'll take it. Um, I'll, I will take that heartbeat. But no, it'd be interesting. See how he handles that that whole situation, and if he's like, and I'll I'll see it, and be interesting to see how Mets fans react to like him doing small market baseball stuff because like Andrew Freeman for the Dodgers would still do small market baseball say and Passan sold it. I mean, Passan kind of was on his woge game of like, this is as big as Andrew Freeman going to the Dodgers. I'm like, Andrew Freeman was a far better GM than David Stearns. Like, let's not get that twisted. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I'd have to look. I just feel like the Rays are harder than the Bruce, in my opinion, to manage, but or that, to figure that, out. That could be, and they actually made a World Series. Right. So in 2008, yeah, that I long time. I don't ago. know. If, I don't know if Friedman was even, yeah, was born at there. that time. Yeah, he's a young guy. But anyways, yeah, I, it's just it's an interesting thing. And also, 
we're, oh, yeah, we're he not, was. Yes, he gonna, was. He, he built that team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're just not going to talk about the Ryan Braun hit piece that came out today because that's just, you know, we're not doing it. We're not we're not going back to one of the first ever Cabinet Keg podcasts where just ranted and raved defending Ryan Braun. Yeah. No, we are. This is a pro Ryan Braun podcast. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Glad to do it. Um, I, I, we will be back next week. We'll get ready for Packers Saints. See how the Brewers are progressing. Hopefully, Giannis doesn't say anything more more uh, that is headline worthy and probably bring back the Badgers talk as Big Ten play starts next week. Um, so, yeah, that'll be kind of be, be what we're looking at next week. We'll have the betting preview tomorrow uh, solo for that. Uh, we, we've we had you pick – were you right? Did you pick Texas or Alabama last week? I can't remember. You're, it's just college pick. God, I don't know if we did. Oh. Do you have an – do you – so I have a theory that Colorado State's going to keep it close against Colorado this week. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Twenty-four point underdog. Not saying they're going to win, but I just this feels like the perfect time to jump off the jump off the Buffs, Buffs bandwagon with Oregon looming, USC looming the next right. two weeks. It's Which this, you know, I, I hate to extend the podcast, but there's there's a <laughs> you know a thought about about that with. You know, first take going to oh, yeah. Boulder. And Saw that. They're they're it it's it's possible that that they're partially afraid that the bubble's gonna burst here soon yes. if they get destroyed. Yeah. And you know, and, and then you know they're the, the buzz won't be nearly as nearly as high. So that's probably why they're all jumping on this. So I don't know. It's fascinating. The yep. the hype's out of control. Yeah, not a great college football week, um, but next week's amazing. So, yeah, it's it's worth be, go see your Brewers. Go do be like me and go to go to Brewers Nationals on Saturday. So there you go. All right, take care, guys. Back uh, tomorrow. We'll see you then. Peace.